Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Hooligan Report after a two-week layoff with the international break and I have with me Cookson tonight. Hello all. And also NUFC Tiger along. G'day guys. So we'll jump right into it boys because it's been a pretty exciting weekend of Premier League football uh, and we might start with the Arsenal-Man City game which was a cracking game that finished 2 all. Um, I'll grab your thoughts first, NUFC. Uh, yeah, I was I only actually just saw the uh, highlights of that game um, probably uh, not that long ago, but um, it looks like I actually missed out on a, a really good game. Um, I think uh, Sanchez, his volley was yeah. uh, something out of this world. It was pretty pretty nice on the eyes, and um, even Wilkes' goal was quite um, it looked like a nice team goal with the uh, build up. Um, and I think it was the two RGs for Man City that um, got on the score sheet with um, Aguero and uh, Demacheas. So, um, yeah, it looked like a pretty entertaining game, and I'm not sure if either team would be too happy with the result. But um, I guess in the scheme of things, it might be uh, influential in the title race, but um, it's still early days, so see how, how things play out. You've got a feel for Arsenal in a way for the um, opening Man City goal because... By all reports, I mean, Arsenal had all the pressure early in the game and City just managed to hit them on the counter through um, a great bit of running from Jesus Navas crossing through to Aguero just to poke home. Yeah, it looked like it was um, was going to go out, but um, I guess that was a bit of a reward for uh, uh, Navas' work rate just to, you know, chase the ball before it uh, went out. So, um, yeah, it was a bit stiff. I thought with their defending Arsenal that um, Aguero was able to poke it home, but... um, I guess that if you don't, uh, if you take your chances, there's always a chance you can put it in the net. So um, that's just how it is when you play a quality team, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What, what were your thoughts, Cookson? Well, we probably could start out saying it was an entertaining game to watch. I mean, Arsenal did have the best midfield. They were all over City within like the first what 20 minutes, 25 minutes. But again, the Arsenal lacked the final duel. They were always trying to score the perfect goal. It has to be pretty. It has to be beautiful. Instead, of, like. A goal's worth a goal, no matter how you score it. And Arsenal probably lack that. They lack, well, they lack grit and hard hardness. I mean, you wouldn't see Patrick Vieira would say, "Right, what the hell are you doing?" They probably lack that. And you also probably look at how what David Silva done. I mean, he essentially controlled that game as the number ten, and very influential. But yeah, but probably Arsenal's. Well, most concerning for Arsenal was, again, Matthew Debushi getting injured. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Um, In some ways, I actually think it's quite lucky that he's only out for the two months because having suffered a pretty nasty ankle injury myself, I know just... Now, they can look pretty innocuous, but they can actually end up being quite quite difficult to get over and and recover from. Yeah, and it's done is essentially... Arsenal will have to play with pretty much the same four defenders for, quite honestly, for the next 20 or so games, I think. Yeah. Well, it's going to hurt, especially with, I think it's League Cups next week as well. So it's, what, four games in the space of 15 days or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's probably screwed Arsenal's season a bit, having Debussy injured. I mean, considering what their entire backline covers, Callum Chambers, he's played like, what, 30 games, give or take? Well, I found it amazing because I think Cruyff was mentioning it the um, the other week when we were covering the close of the transfer window and the fact that they didn't have much depth in defence and Wenger just seems to have this faith in his side for not getting injured um, through having a lack of depth in strikers and in defenders. And, yeah, it could really cost them now with both Giroud and uh, Debussy out injured. Yeah, did they loan um, 
Jenkinson out as well. Yeah, he's out. Right. Of, he's out at West Ham. Yeah, I thought they might have. So, um, he's a, a right back by trade, I think. So, uh, he could have been a bit of cover for Debuchy, but um, I mean, I don't know the rules, but there might be some sort of provision that they can recall him early due to injuries. But I don't know the technicalities on that. I know you can do that with keepers, but I'm not sure about outfield players. Nothing. Oh yeah. So that could be. I mean. At the very least, you'd probably expect them to recall him in June, January if they're having any sort of issues defensively. But then again, they could just go out and, and buy someone, I suppose. But it's not really Wenger's way. Yep. Uh, any any other thoughts on the game? Was it um, Dimitri's uh, late equaliser? That was from a like, unmarked corner, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, Arsenal. Yeah, so is that sort of Arsenal's um, Achilles heel where they sort of look a bit frail at... Um, Defensively, especially at set pieces where they can um, sort of concede like sloppy goals like that. Yeah. Um, we'll probably going to talk more about Arsenal when we talk about the Champions League is yeah. a concerning there, and I'll put that lightly. Yeah, so we might, we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, but we'll first move on to the, the heavyweight clash of the round. I mean, Arsenal City's a pretty heavyweight clash, but top of the table clash between Chelsea and Swansea at the bridge... Uh, which finished 4-2, so it was quite a quite an entertaining game, and Diego Costa bagged his hat-trick to continue his terrific form of, what's that, uh, seven goals now in his first four games. Yes. Yeah. He's scoring at a better rate than Chelsea's last two big-name strikers, Rusevchenko <laughs> and Torres. I saw some stat for um, how many games it's taken Chelsea strikers to hit seven goals, and I think Torres did it in 52 games or something crazy like that, so yeah. it, very, it very much highlights the difference between them. Yeah. But what what happened is that in this game, I mean, well, I watched the video by Gary Neville explaining something, is that despite Fabregas assisting it in the first half, he didn't actually play that good of a midfield game. I mean, he was pretty much ball hunting a lot of time, playing more Arsenal style than what happened, than playing how Mourinho prefers his midfielders. Like, when they play City in a couple of weeks' time, I reckon he'll be dropped for Ramirez. Well, that seemed to really turn the game for um, Chelsea was that half-time substitution um, with Ramirez coming on for... Who was it? Schurla went off? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much the, Fabregas was not controlling the midfield at all. I mean, he was ball hunting, being... Uh, being Essentially, he's played as what well. Arsenal was the main man, and he didn't fit in at Barcelona either with Xabi, Iniesta, and etc. So... Probably might be better against the lower teams, or he might be a number ten, well, probably number eight and a half, really. Not a number ten, but not a midfielder. Yeah. One question I did want to ask, and I don't want to bring it up as a huge thing, because I know it was a bit of a sensitive topic on the board uh, after a bit of discussion on it. But um, Diego Costa scored three goals, but do we put those down to the brilliance of Hazard and uh, Fabregas in their passing, or do we give? Costa some credit for his poacher instinct and getting into the right positions. Is it a combination of both, maybe? It's probably definitely a combination of both. I mean, I mean, Costa could probably keep up his scoring rate, but are we going to say, oh, he's better than Messi or he's better than Ronaldo who score a goal a game? Probably not. It's like he's doing, he makes good runs, really suits it. It's probably a striker who's in a perfect system and like the players just connect and suit each other. I mean, Hazard and Fabregas making excellent passes, and Costas, of course, doing the run, getting into good positions. I mean, if a mistake happens in the box, he's there. Yeah, 
I think I, in in the summer when he was first linked to Chelsea, I think that was everyone's instinct was that he was just the perfect striker for Chelsea and that he was going to fit them like a glove, and he really has. And and you can't really fault him with the start that he's made at Chelsea. Um, and UFC, did you have you caught the highlights of this game or seen this game? Did you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, yeah, I, I did see it. Um, yeah, I think sort of like uh, has been said by quite a few people, Costa's really um, taken to the Premier League pretty quickly when. Um, I guess Chelsea's track record of big name strikers haven't, uh, generally fired early on. So, um, I think, you know, he's obviously got a very good team around him, but, um, you still got to give him credit for, uh, his instincts on, um, you know, just beating the offside trap or running onto those balls. Um, so he's definitely looking like a good fit for them. And, um, I was also pleased to see, uh, I think Remy chipped in with the last goal for Chelsea. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, he will be a, a good foil for Costa if, um, he can come on late in the game and, you know, pinch a goal here or there or they need to give Costa a rest, so, um. Yeah. The other side of the coin I wanted to touch on, um, quickly was Swansea's game, and I mean, obviously, they've, they started the game very well, scoring inside the first, uh, 20 minutes to take a bit of a short yeah. lead, but, um, their season starters look pretty good. I know pre-season we were kind of questioning them and Gary Monk is manager and he's just picked up the award of manager of the month. Um, so, I mean, you've got to give Swansea a lot of plaudits for the way they played. No, you do. I think they're still third on the table. Um, and I think Monk might possibly be the youngest manager in the Premier League at the moment. So, um, but look, they have a pretty exciting team and their start to the season's been pretty good. Um, Pretty impressive so far, and uh, the ball that uh, was played for Shelby's goal uh, late in the game was a real, a real nice one too, actually. And um, I think Chelsea will probably be a little bit annoyed that they conceded that one when they looked like they were cruising to a pretty easy win, but um, they still got the points in the end. But uh, you know, it's probably just the case that maybe the defence was caught offside, or sorry, caught off. Um, uh, they just weren't ready for it or didn't anticipate it, but. Um, if they can tighten that up for when they come up against the, you know, the stronger teams in the Premier League, they might be, um, you know, good bet for the title. Absolutely. Um, now, I don't know which of these games Cookson's itching to talk about more, but we'll start with Liverpool's loss to Aston Villa, where they lost 1-0 uh, at Anfield, uh, and then we might talk about United after that. But we'll start with Villa's uh, win over Liverpool. Um, Agbon Hall scored the goal pretty early, and Villa basically did what they do at Anfield after that and sat back and defended quite well and, and choked the life out of the game. But um, just talking about Swansea's start to the season and Villa's had a pretty impressive start as well. Yeah, and it's probably also doubly impressive. I mean, they were without Vlar and Benteke, two of the better players. But it's just what they did is essentially sat a Bonglahor on Gerard and sat back. Pretty much what Jose Mourinho does. And... Rogers really looked bereft of ideas, and that team looked bereft of create. Well, it had a giant shaped hole in it, and I think I know where the person that filled that hole is in. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, running around in um, well, he's getting fit in Spain. He's wearing a Blaguana shirt right now, but <laughs> since you get the idea that without Sterling or Sturridge, there, well, lack something. I mean, Lalana decided that he wanted to be an Olympic diver. Bit of a terrible effort, I must admit that. And then, of course, we saw Senderos just giving Balotelli the massive wind-up. 
And question marks have to be asked about Lovren as well in, in defence for them. I think um, a couple of supporters on the board, I think Cool Dude in particular, has kind of started to question his place in the side and whether the $20 million was worth it because he hasn't had the most impressive start to his Liverpool career. Yeah. That probably also stems back, I mean, look at let's look at centre-backs around the world. I mean, how many, like, compared to six years ago or five years ago, there's a dearth of genuine centre-backs. I mean... You have Mats Hummels, uh, Mehdi Benata from Bayern, and then, well, I've also, what's his name? Oh, yeah, Bad Stuber and Ard Chelaney. But apart from that, I mean, there's no world-class centre-backs anymore. And we're probably going through a bit of a crap age in centre-backs. But, again, Liverpool's defence was worse than United's last year. It's a big call. I mean, Liverpool... Yeah. I mean, Liverpool... Has I mean, last season Liverpool focused much more on scoring goals than uh, preventing goals from being scored against them. And they really kind of went out with more of an attack, you know, we'll score more goals than you mentality. And they've clearly tried to shore up that defence a bit in the off-season with Suarez's absence. Um, I think the way someone put it was that they've basically tried to um, cut out a certain percentage of goals at one end to make up for losing a certain percentage of goals at the other end. Um, and it's clearly not working so far this season. I mean, they got a clean sheet against Spurs, but they always seem to do that. Um, so you have to have some worries as a Liverpool supporter about their defence. Yep. Um, but we might move on um, to talk about the team that you're probably much more excited to talk about, and that's uh, United finally getting a win on the board against QPR and a... 4-0 win with the new boys all scoring uh, with Di Maria, Herrera, uh, Mata and Rooney all getting on the board. So it's a pretty good win for your boys. Yep, fantastic. I mean, apart from De Gea thinking he was Manuel Neuer at times. <laughs> Don't need that, Dave. Cut it out. But again, it highlighted Rafael was very important, bombing down the right flank. Rojo was excellent. I mean, Evans and Blackett... Well, Evans was a bit meh. Blackett was composed. Very good. I mean, daily blind. I mean, everyone's talking about Di Maria and Herrera and Rooney, but Blind played excellently in that game. I mean, he was the metronome, defended well, and pretty much, well, we played the 4-4-2 diamond, yeah? Yeah, I mean, that's, but, you're just copying us. You go the 3-5-2, then we bring in new players, so we're going to go the diamond, so you start going the diamond. You've got to come up with some original ideas, you know. Ah, here's the thing. It's <laughs> all so the game. Daily Blind dropped back and dragged the striker with him, so it turned into a three-five-two when we were attacking. Okay, all it was right. Very, very formation. It just very smart by Louis Van Gaal. That again, Di Maria was superb. I'm still pinching myself that we got him. I mean, Perez. Cheers, buddy. Any more rejects? We'll sign them right up. Um, did you have any thoughts on the game, NUFC? Um, I suppose just. General thoughts, um, probably, I guess, for Cookson and the rest of the Manchester United fans, it's maybe the, uh, maybe the turning point to their sort of sluggish start to the, the season. Um, I think, I didn't see this game, but I think, uh, the highlights, they looked like they were all over, um, QPR and they probably could have, uh, put even, you know, another one or two past, um, I think it was Robert Green in the goal for QPR. Um, so maybe, you know, this sort of, game can give them a bit of confidence and uh, the belief in, in what they're trying to achieve and that, you know, maybe they can sort of kick on from here. Yep. Do we well, think there are serious question marks over QPR's ability to survive? I mean, it's it's early days, of course, but um, two 4-0 thrashings already to Spurs and United, uh, they haven't really looked like... I think they got 
the win against Sunderland, I think it was, last week, or last last game day. But apart from that, uh, they're not looking too crash hot. Yeah, it's just, they look slow, disjointed. I mean, I love Rio Ferdinand. He's an excellent player, but he's done at Premier League level. Yeah, I mean, that. I think that kind of highlighted the direction their season was going to take. I mean, they did bring in some good young players, but when you're recruiting guys like um, Ferdinand, I think probably he's not going to set you up too well for the season ahead. Yep. And also, excellent form for Juan Mata, who was scored in eight of the past ten Manchester United games. Oh, please don't tell me that. I just got rid of him in my fantasy side. <laughs> <laughs> it was the wrong time to do it, I know. Um, <laughs> at least he went out on a high, because I, I had him for this game and then got rid of him. Um, we'll move on uh, to the second last game, because we're going we're to finish with the Toon game uh, to get your thoughts on that NUFC. But we'll finish. We'll have a very quick chat about um, Hull's game yesterday morning. Uh, against West Ham, which finished 2-all. All four goals, well, in theory, all four goals coming from debutants. The last one credited as an own goal in the end. But um, cracking strike from Valencia. I don't know if you guys have seen the highlights for this, but Valencia scored an absolute world-beater. Yeah, I saw some yeah. report on it. It was like, came off his boot at like 70-odd miles an hour or something. Yeah, something like, like that. that. Wouldn't be surprised. From a standing start as well, with no, you know, no pace on the ball. Just rolls it slowly to the side and then just... Hops into the top corner. Unleashes was a cracking shot. I mean, yeah, it's probably what you expect, really. I mean, two mid-table teams battling each other, and again, it's good to see goals. I mean, we all love them. Well, the surprise. I mean, you say it's what you expect, and I, I'd say yeah, the draws maybe what you expect, but the way both sides set up was very attacking for for this. <laughs> I mean, Steve Bruce came out afterwards and said. You know, me and Sam both played diamonds, and we're usually more focused at giving our wives diamonds than uh, playing in <laughs> football sides. So um, I think, you know, under the directive of their owners, Sam's really realised that he has to pull his finger out and play a bit of attacking football, and he's and he's looking to do it. I can't play Andy Carroll anymore. No yeah. more humping up to the big lad. Yeah, playing along the ground now. <laughs> Still can't believe he was £35 million transfer, but <laughs> won't laugh about that. Yeah, well, no, we'll, we'll talk, probably talk about that in the uh, in the bonus feature with um, talking about Mike Ashley as owner, but we'll get to that a bit later. Um, oh, there was a sweat before we leave. Are we talking about the tune game now? We're about to. Was there something you wanted to say? I was going to say. Oh, no, it's for the tune game. For the tune game? Okay, well, <laughs> uh, okay, we'll move on to the tune game then as the last game we're going to cover in detail. Um, 4-0 loss to Southampton, and the slump kind of continues for uh, Toon supporters. So maybe I'll get your thoughts first on UFC before Cookson chimes in with his comment. Um, yeah, well, it's, uh, I, to be honest, I did expect to lose, and um, our season's really uh, hasn't really kicked on from the end of last season where we really struggled. And um, I did have a look before... Um, yeah, we've won five of our last, uh, I think it's 23 20, games. 23 or 24. I, I heard that stat, um, yeah. recently. So, um, it's, it's basically relegation form. And dare um, I say it, but the, the context I heard that stat in, do you know the significance that the last 23 or 24 games is, I believe that's when Ben Arthur was dropped from the side. And also I think it's when Kabai was sold. So it's around the same time for both those players. But, um, it's almost like, yeah, Pardew's just kind of, gotten rid of that creative spark in your side and, and this is the result. Yeah, exactly right. Um, you know, we're sort of struggling to even score goals. Um, and uh, Cabela and 
Um, he's taking a bit of time to sort of adjust to the um, style of the Premier League. I'm not sure if it's Pardew's, uh tactics or um, his man management, but a lot of the players just aren't sort of playing to the ability that they probably should be able to um, produce. Um, like I think on the weekend, you'd probably have to say Colachini and Williamson were probably Southampton's best two players. <laughs> um, just <laughs> with the um, mistakes they were making, and um, you know, we even against Crystal Palace, who um, had disappointed Warnock as their manager, um, we were very lucky to get a point from that at home. Um, so, and to lose four 0 at Southampton against a team that's lost, you know, half their half their team from last season is pretty disappointing. Um, so there's a lot of, um, I guess, angst amongst the Toonami at the moment. Do, I mean, um, you, you've joked about it a bit on the board, but do you honestly see relegation as a threat? Uh, well, I think if Pardew stays in charge, we're going to go down. Okay. Um, and that going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard to say because there's some reports going around that, you know, this game up or up, upcoming game against Hull could be his last game. Um, and there's also other reports saying that Mike Ashley is willing to back him till Christmas. So I think if he stays in charge up to Christmas, then we're pretty much done. Um, I just, it's just staggering that we've loaned out, uh, Ben Arthur as well as, um, Yango Mbiwa when our two biggest problems at the moment are our central defenders and, um, our sort of attack in the final third. Um, so, it's not looking good at the moment, and there's a pretty big protest planned for uh, the game this weekend. So, well, okay, that'll be, that'll be quite interesting. Um, yeah. And in bad news, I, I just read this afternoon. Apparently, young Aaron's, who was looking such a promising player, is out for six weeks with a hamstring injury. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As I say, he's uh, just about your only decent attacking option. Yes, he's a 18-year-old who's probably been our best player um, in the first three games that he's played. Um, he got a goal and an assist against Crystal Palace on debut, so um, it's pretty disappointing to lose him, and we don't really have uh, a whole lot on the bench that can really come in and you know change the game. We've got uh, Cookson's old favourite, uh, Overturn, which <laughs> is exactly inspiring, but, um, and, uh, of course, uh, Ben Arthur's at uh, your mob now. SM, so. I wonder if he'll actually be at the game on the weekend because you know if you if you need anything to to rev the rev the Toon army up in their protests, I think him <laughs> walking around in a whole city suit might do it. Yeah, I walking could be the donut job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I saw a comment. I mean, just as the last thing on um, our game against West Ham, he came off the bench and his first touches were absolutely magical and arguably should have won a foul because he was you know tearing through the West Ham defenders before player chopped him down. Uh, I saw a comment in the review of the game basically saying, Toon supporters, do not watch these highlights because seeing Ben Arthur in a hole shot will just make you well up. And Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes on the weekend. Yep. Tell uh, what that Cook, does. Cookson, what were your thoughts? There's an excellent photo of the game. I'm not sure if we've seen it. No, no. Not okay, it's got... Pardew, and it's got advertising underneath, and do you know what oh. the advertising says? Is that, is that the out today? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I think you posted that on the board, um, NUFC. I think I did Yeah, that. I chucked it up on either the Newcastle board or the, uh, the pictures and gifts board, but, um, yeah, it was a definitely perfectly timed photo, and, uh, unfortunately it didn't come to fruition, but, uh, you know, maybe. Be, I reckon it'll be going by October. 
Yeah, that we can only hope. But um, I think he's definitely lost the players. Uh, they don't look like they're interested in playing for him. And um, he's got, I think, basically universal hated or hatred with the uh, supporters. So um, I'm not sure how can come back from him. Did he get to replace all the question? We'll, we'll, we'll probably talk more about that uh, in the in the bonus feature when we talk about the uh, the owners and Mike Ashley uh, in particular. Um, just just so we don't take up all of that discussion in this segment, but we'll, we'll move on to the um, previews for next week in a second. But just to round off the scores from the weekend, we had Crystal Palace drawing nil nil with Burnley, which is probably a good point for both teams, particularly for Palace considering they had to save a penalty late in that game. Uh, we had Leicester pick up their first win of the season against Stoke. Some sort sure Jats will be happy with that considering Guawa continued his fine goal-scoring form. Spurs drew 2-2 with Sunderland, which is probably two points dropped for Spurs, you'd have to say, and, and a good result for Sunderland. Um, Everton Spurs bottled it. What? Spurs bottled it there. Yeah, well, exactly. And uh, Everton beat West Brom 2-0 with Lukaku scoring against West Brom. And apparently apparently now you don't celebrate against clubs that you're on loan at. I mean, where's it going to stop with the whole respect for the respect for the club and not celebrating? I think it's getting a little bit out of hand. But, you know, fair play to him. He scored a decent goal and chose not to celebrate. It's, well, I guess it's his choice. To be honest, Lukaku probably has more fond memories of being at West Brom than he has been at Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it'd be, <laughs> be interesting to see if he... Uh, Scores against Chelsea when they um, play again. Because he didn't score in the 6-3 loss, did he? So um, it would be interesting to see if he gets the chance. Um, but we'll move on to the previews for next week. Uh, and the first game, the early game, is Stoke against QPR, which is maybe not the blockbuster that Arsenal City was. But how do you guys say this one? Probably Sarek and Stoke, 3-0. Boyan and, and Torovic to play well. Yeah, I'd probably say Stoke... Uh, probably get the the win there. Um, I think they've actually started relatively well. Stoke, haven't they? Um, I think. Or... Yeah, they, well, they haven't been too bad. I mean, they beat City in I think the second week or the third week. Yeah, beat us in the um, drew with us in the second week. They're playing football now. They're not. Let's kill someone and daddy the other. Well, exactly. I mean, um, I think I commented on it in the before the season started that under Hughes are actually looking to pass the ball, and I, it's kind of good to see that a lot of clubs are doing that. I mean, just commenting on Allardyce doing the same at West Ham that managers are starting to realise that yeah, it's about results and it's a results business, but the supporters want to see an attractive brand of football because they're paying money to come along. They want to see goals. They want to see attractive football. Think it's still going to be like shit money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the, so what what do we see the score being? I said three 0 Three 0 in UFC. Probably maybe two one to Stoke. Do we? I mean, you'd, you'd think if Q, if QPR can't stop picking up points soon, they re- really do start to get into a bit of trouble. I mean, I, th- I heard something that Harry Redknapp had actually been offered a new deal by them, so it's not even as if there's even a contemplation of sacking him. Yeah, it's just I don't know. You just get the idea that QPR is kind of a bit of a mates club right now. I mean, it's. QPR with also Harry Redknapp's best friends. Yeah, I mean, well, he's got Cranshaw back. He's got uh, Rio Ferdinand. Who else they have? Um, yeah, there's a couple of them there. Um, but we'll, we'll move on to the midnight games, and we might actually start with the game between your mob and mine and your FC. We've got Hull against Newcastle. Um, as you, as the, I mean, we've touched on a little bit. If Pardew doesn't get a result, there's the chance he'll go. Um Maybe maybe we'll we'll start with Cookson's thoughts as the neutral here. How do you see this one? There will be goals. (laughs) 
And, like, and a team in, stri- in black stripes will be scoring them. Yes. <laughs> I will sit on the fence and go for a 1-1 draw. 1-1 draw, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and UFC, what are your thoughts? Um, it's sort of funny, but just with our uh, disillusioned, I think um, myself and probably a lot of other Toon fans are, will probably be actually hoping for a Hull victory. Um, yeah, I mean, if I've had a, seen a few comments from Hull supporters are saying how strange... It is talking to Toon supporters over in England that they'll be going up to the game on Sunday or Saturday with basically the whole stadium hoping for a whole win. Yeah, um, I think there's going to be uh, there's heaps of abuse thrown at Pardew and um, in the grand scheme of things, if a whole if Hull can get up and get a win like they did last season, it'll put a lot more pressure on Pardew. So um, hopefully Ashley will be at the game and he'll take note of the you know the frustration of the fans. Yeah. Uh, so, what, what? How do you see the score? Similar to last season, like a, a close, you know, two-one uh, or something. Well, we're struggling to score goals at the moment. Um, so I'd probably say, and I think you know, Hull uh, look like they've actually done quite well um, scoring goals. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would be not surprised if it was a two or three 0 win to Hull. Um, I hope it's more, but um, I don't see you guys having too much trouble with our. Leaky defence and our inability to score goals. I mean, yeah, personally, I'm really excited about our strikers now with um, Abel Hernandez scoring on debut. He's he's looking very, very impressive, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him find the back of the net again. Um, so, yeah, I'd agree. I mean, <laughs> not too much arrogance. I, I could probably see a 2 or 3-0 win for Hull. Um, the other midnight games, we've got, we've got Arsenal against Aston Villa, which, I mean... It's interesting seeing that Villa's actually got a very good record against Arsenal, as well as Liverpool, and they got the win against Liverpool. So maybe another upset brewing here. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon with like with the with Arsenal's defence being very leaky, very solid, and Arsenal's midfield lacking balls, I actually think Villa could get away with a point here. I mean, it's at home for Villa, so uh, they haven't actually been that good at home, though, have they? I'll still back them in. I reckon they're going to get a point. I mean, just. I mean, Arsenal probably have a bit of issues right now. I mean, their lack of defensive midfielder. Strikers, I mean, Danny Welbeck's probably showing why he's not at Manchester United anymore with his finishing. Yeah. I mean, he, and he missed a sitter again this morning against um, Dortmund, didn't he, in the first half? Yeah. We'll, we'll, cu- we'll touch on those games after these previews. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I could see Villa getting a point out of this one. Uh, NUFC? Yeah, well, um I think Villa actually, they might be second on the table or something. Yeah, they've, they've cracked up. up there. Yeah, and um, I think I personally thought they might struggle, and I think Lambert might have been one of the managers that I thought would be under the gun pretty early in the season. But um, I can also see them probably, possibly even sneaking a win um, if they can manage to exploit sort of Arsenal's, um, I guess, vulnerability at the back. So... Um, it's just it'll be a question if Villa can shut out, um, you know, Arsenal's you know riches of uh, attacking players. But um, yeah, I, I might go with a, a one-nil win, win to Villa. Yeah, it'll certainly be an interesting one. Um, Burnley against Sunderland might promise for uh, Burnley's first chance of a win for the season. They've actually started to look pretty solid. They've kept two clean sheets in a row, um, two nil-nils. So you'd almost back them in again for another one at home. Um, do we see them? A pretty decent chance at getting their first win on the board? Uh, I'm probably going to lean to Sunderland 1-0. I mean, Sunderland just probably have more quality. 
they're probably tactically a bit sharper. And yeah, I just Sunderland's probably got better strike force too, so I'm going back to Sunderland one 0 I mean, they did come away with a point against Spurs last week, so they've shown that they've actually got their scoring boots on and that not looking as worried about re- re- uh, relegation battle as they were at this point last season, where they think they only had one point on the board, <laughs> much to NUFC's delight, but um, <laughs> looking a little bit better place this season. But, yeah, how do you see this one, NUFC? Decent decent chance for Burnley, maybe? Um, I certainly hope they can get their first <laughs> season. Um, yeah, so I guess in saying that, I'll be... Uh, tipping a maybe a Burnley 2-0 win uh, against the Scum. Yeah, I wouldn't mind to see George Boyd get off the mark for them either, so I might actually try and catch the highlights of this one after um, Hull Newcastle. Um, the other, the last midnight game we have is Swansea against Southampton, which should actually be a pretty attractive game of football to watch if if people don't fancy t- tuning into the Toon Hull game, which I'm sure is the blockbuster of the of the set. <laughs> um, Swansea against Southampton. Swansea at home. How do we see this one? Ooh. Probably three two. This one, big. Yeah, I could see a lot of goals in this one. In UFC. Uh, yeah, I think Swansea will probably edge it. Um, I'll go with a two-one win. I think for Swansea, will be certainly one to to keep an eye on though, because yeah, I think we've, we've all kind of realised it'll actually be quite a decent one. Um, the late game of the night is Liverpool against West Ham at home for the Hammers. Uh, you'd hope that, well, I think that maybe Liverpool will bounce back from their loss to Villa in their pretty shaky Champions League game. Um, but West Ham looking pretty prolific now, so it's another one that could promise to have a few goals in it. Uh, I reckon Liverpool's going to win this probably 2-0. It's far too much quality. I mean, for... you know, maybe getting recovering from Champions League midweek game. Probably, yeah. and I was... Probably another good thing is that Gerard won't play that game. I mean, I mean, he's probably holding back Liverpool's midfield, to be honest. Yeah, you get the sense they looked um, better without him last season when Henderson was able to have a bit more of a free role when he was basically playing in Gerard's place and looking much better. But yeah, I mean, I mean, he can't play 90 minutes again. He played 90 minutes what, last week, 90 minutes. Midweek, yeah. And when you're 34, it just doesn't happen. So I reckon yeah, Liverpool's probably going to win. We have far too much quality. And you have say? Uh, yeah, you'd probably have to say Liverpool will get up, um, although I wouldn't be too surprised if it turned into a draw. Um, so I'll maybe say a 1 1 draw, um, yeah, for that one. Uh, and Brandon the- Rogers will get his fake tan again. <laughs> <laughs> first, first game on Sunday is uh, Leicester at home to Man United. Uh, your mob have turned the corner, Cookson, but it could actually be an interesting one because Leicester got a point at home against Arsenal, I believe. So um, it could be uh, quite a difficult one to predict, actually. Do you reckon, I mean, you guys have kind of got, the new boys are off off to a good start, uh, you know, a couple of goals on the board, win on the board. Maybe the confidence will be up for this one? Yep, I mean, just Di Maria's in that good form. I mean, still scratch your head why he was sold, but he's just going to carve the league up, and I reckon... He'll be a major catalyst of why we're going to win. I expect, well, I probably expect the same team that played on Saturday. I mean, Herrera was also excellent running the show. But yeah, I expect United to win. And UFC? Um, I think if, uh, yeah, Manchester United can sort of replicate the form they did against uh, QPR, they should, should get the win. But, um, 
yeah, I think that you know their quality should um, be just enough to see off Leicester, but I think Leicester will give them a game. Um, I guess being one of the promoted sides, you probably see these kind of games as um, you know some of the highlights of your season, playing against some of the biggest teams in not just the Premier League but in the world. So um, you'd expect them to give it a real red hot go, and I think. Um, uh, is it Uloa, their striker? But, yeah, um, he's, he's scored three in four games, I think. Yeah, he's started quite well. as um, Sort of similar to Costa, I think. He's sort of uh, not having any trouble finding the net at the moment, so he might be one to watch um, for the Manchester United defenders. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could see, yeah, probably a United win, but maybe 2-1 or, or something like that, because I could see Uloa finding the net, and at home, you never really know. could be interesting. Um, the other early game on Sunday is Spurs against West Brom. Um, probably Spurs to win this one. West Brom aren't looking pretty, aren't, aren't looking too good at the moment. Yeah, probably. I mean, I expect Spurs to win. But then yep. again, it is Spurs and you're just not sure about what they can do, but. Yeah. If plays a good game, they'll probably win. Probably a pretty routine 2-0 win. Maybe 3-0. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've been, I think Spurs have been a bit shaky, uh, Sort of in their first four games, but um, you know, I'd expect them to probably grind out a, a one or two goal win. Now, the first of the late games uh, is uh, Everton against Crystal Palace, and Everton managed to get their season off, or finally get a win on the board against West Brom last week. Uh, and Palace under Warnock haven't started too well, but I suppose that was almost to be expected um, after. So after Pulis left the club, um, so what we expect probably a routine Everton win at home. Yeah, probably uh, Everton three 0 Yeah, just I guess their quality and um, they're stronger across pretty much every position uh, over Palace. So you'd think um, at home they should be getting that win pretty easily. You'd, you'd expect. Yeah, um, can't really say. I mean, Palace are one of those sides that are. Just stuck on the two draws along with Newcastle, Burnley, and um, uh, who's the other one? Uh, West Brom. Oh, so yeah, so it'd be tough, tough game for Crystal Palace, I suspect. Um, but I suppose the big game of Sunday night is Man City against Chelsea, who are arguably the two two of the main title contenders. Uh, so this will be a really fascinating game. I think it'll be really interesting to see if Costa can keep his goal-scoring form going against one of the bigger clubs because um, obviously they, they've started the season against pretty routine sort of opposition. Uh, so be quite an interesting one. What's your take on it, guys? Chelsea will not go all-out attacking. Jose will go defensive on this one. Expect you reckon? Well, it would be interesting to see his um, choice of tactics this season with, um, you know, Stronger attacking options available to him. He'll probably go well. Rakitic, sorry, was it uh, Matic and Ramirez in midfield with William, Oscar, Hazard as a free and Costa up front. Expect that. Just to see what happens, what they're going to do. They like they'll defend from deep. They'll try hit them on the counter. That's what Jose usually does. Um, and UFC. Yeah, uh, I guess. Yeah, Chelsea's probably uh, in the box seat for the title at the moment, so this is probably their first big test. And um, you know, if they can pull out a win at City, uh, it's going to send a pretty strong signal to the rest of the teams in the league that you know that's they're the real deal and that they're probably the team to beat. But um, in saying that, I think City, have, um, they might have 
the edge at home. Um, but it's definitely the game of the round. I'd probably maybe go 3-2 to City. Um, I think, yeah, if City lose this game, then uh, it's going to be... It's a, league over, essentially. Yeah, it's going to be pretty hard to get back into um, that title race, so it's, it's already going to be sending the alarm bells ringing if they don't uh, um, knock Chelsea off. Yeah, so so you could see City winning as well, Cookson? No, I see 1-1 draw. 1-1? Yeah, um, well, it's, a, it's a hard one to pick because, yeah, I mean, you reckon Mourinho's going to go pretty defensive, but it's hard to know. I mean, Costa can score. Well, I mean, he seems to be able to score from, from almost anything. Um, I might go 2-1 to Chelsea. Um, but that's that's the last of the previews for this weekend. But we'll we'll talk now about European football and the, and the Champions League because we've had a couple of games this morning. Uh, and we might talk first about Arsenal because we alluded to it earlier in the podcast. But um, they're looking a little bit frail at the moment. And I believe you saw the game this morning, Cookson? Yep. Arsenal got destroyed in midfield. I mean, they got pressed. They got hurried. They looked out of sync. I mean, Dortmund could have scored 10 goals, except... Mkhitaryan decided that I'll just be a complete potato in front of goals today. And you saw Arsenal's defensive fragilities when Immobile ran from 60 metres away. No Arsenal player laid a tackle anymore, initiated body contact and just boom, scores. Yeah, I mean, Dortmund looked really impressive. I mean, they were without a lot of star players as Kagawa, Royce, Hummels, uh, Cuba. And yeah, it's just Jurgen Klopp's one damn fine manager, and he was rocking a hoodie this game, and it looked really cool. <laughs> oh, I mean, I guess when Arsenal losing that badly, at least he can get some entertainment from the sideline. Um, I mean, I mentioned it as well. I mean, Welbeck had a chance in the first half. He was through on goal, and he missed it. He had a couple of shots, but um, I think Arsenal only had three on target for the match, and Wenger, after the match, acknowledged the fact that they didn't create enough, and they were pretty below par, and tried to defend Welbeck and, and Tell the Arsenal supporters to give him some time, but um, if you're not yeah. creating a much, why would you put Mesut Özil, one of the world's On best number yeah. in the wing? I mean, that could be a bigger waste of money as what we paid for Juan Sebastian Veron. I mean, I, I we've had the discussion on the board a couple of times now about. Ozil's worth to the Arsenal side and the fact that he seems to go missing quite often. I mean, uh, it's not necessarily his fault, but it can be where he's being played. And I think uh, Wenger seems to have this strange obsession with playing him on the left wing when he's not a winger at all. Yeah, I mean, I think the Germans did the same. They tried playing him on the left wing, then Yogi Lau just dropped him. I mean, he's a number 10 or he's nothing, to be yeah, honest. It'll be very interesting to see. Um, I mean... It's worrying signs for Arsenal. They might not make it out of the group at this rate because it's a pretty strong group. They've got Galatasaray in there as well. Um, they're going to want to hope to turn it around pretty quickly and, and address their concerns in defence and up forward. And in midfield, really. They've got no bite. Yeah, it's just... I reckon Arsenal's just going... I reckon they're probably a chance to drop out the top four with the way they're going. They just lack something. I mean, their centre-backs are going to get pounded. I mean, it realistically, Dortmund were all over them like a rash. And I mean, there's, there's question marks over Wilshere. I think he had an ankle scare during the match. He played out the match, but Wenger's acknowledged that given his injury history, you don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, but you suspect they're about another injury away from, yeah, real disaster, as you say. It could really derail their season. Yeah, probably if Ramsey goes down, they're screwed, really. Yeah. Um, and you have said, I mean, if you didn't say the game, at least do you have any thoughts on the, you know, the context of this for Arsenal's season, both Champions League and domestically? 
Yeah, I, I didn't see this game, but um, I guess just following on from the um, that mention of Wilshere's ankle, um, that's probably another uh, headache potentially with um, the boot for, what, two months, as we um, pointed out earlier on uh, the podcast. So uh, it's definitely not ideal early in the season when you want to try and get um, a good run of form happening and um, if they're missing a few, yeah, I think, um, if they miss one or two more key players, then um, I'm not sure if they've got the, the depth to really need to um, both uh, try and sustain it. I mean, I guess the positive, I mean, joking positive, is that we've got Giroud, Debushi and Wilshire all potentially having ankle injuries. At least they can all hang out together in the rehab group. <laughs> Work on some plans and some plays. Yeah. <laughs> Get their, get their ankle strength back up together. Uh, the other English team in action this morning was Liverpool, who were returning to the Champions League after a five-year absence. Uh, and they left it very late to get a goal and then almost fluffed their lines with um, conceding a late equaliser before Gerrard saved them with a, an even later penalty. I mean, Ludogratz were very impressive in that game. I mean, the thing about what I found oldest in the crowd was that famous Anfield atmosphere. Non-existent. I mean, I was hearing the Bulgarian national anthem. <laughs> oh, I mean, I question whether there's a famous Anfield atmosphere anymore. I think um, well, I've, when I visited the ground last season for our uh, our game against them early, I think it was on New Year's Day even, um, it can, you could hear a pin drop at times in the match. I think unless they're playing one of the really big clubs, it can be you can get really silent in the game unless Liverpool mm. are really on top. But, yeah, it's just... They looked a bit toothless in attack still. I mean, Suarez was... They're talisman and just, they just don't look the same. Yeah. I mean, toothless in attack without Suarez. Like, I, I guess it's, you're, you're a funny one. I didn't mean that. <laughs> no, I claim the credit, claim the credit. Well, whatever. I'm genius. <laughs> genius. It, yeah, it's just Liverpool looked to be good, but again, Ludogorets look quite decent. Yeah. I mean, they're not pushovers. I mean, they reached what last round, last 16 Europa League last season, I believe. Well, I think they did anyway. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> but probably. I reckon if you're a Liverpool supporter, I reckon you should be concerned when you face Real Madrid. That will be a very interesting one because Real Madrid managed to put away Basel 5-1, so yeah. looking I mean, pretty ruthless. They get a couple injuries. Do you have Glenn Johnson at fullback against Gareth Bale and Cristiano Ronaldo? Ouch. Yeah, I mean, they're just not to mention midfield. I mean, they've got Modric and Kroos with possibly Sami Kabira returning. Um, yeah, I mean, well, the question marks over Real Madrid, who I believe lost on the weekend to Atletico, is that yeah. that midfield doesn't have a whole lot of balance to it, and that's pretty much the only question mark you'd have over Real Madrid at the moment. But um, yeah, as a, as, a, as a Liverpool supporter, you'd be dreading that one, I'd, I'd think. Yeah, it's probably one of those seasons where Real Madrid's just complete trash in their league, but they'll probably pull some out of their ass in the Champions League, like yeah. in 2000. So, no, that will be interesting. Um, were there any other interesting Champions League results you wanted to, to mention? Interesting game between Olympiacos and Atletico Madrid. Very spicy, full of atmosphere, with probably Mazzucic. I mean, he came in, replaced Kost at Atletico Madrid, and done, I'll say, quite a decent job. Well, I thought it was a very good get for them, um, and they're looking quite good. They, they're a bit like Southampton, where they've kind of been plundered of their better players, and yet have still managed to kind of continue on from where they left off. I mean, yeah, Simeone's proving that he's an excellent manager at this level. I mean, I think they... Uh, I don't know, is this Madrid? They look kind of weak, but you never know about them. I reckon they could go far in this competition. But that being said, I expect Chelsea to win the Champions League. 
You heard it here first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, in saying that, what, what, who do you reckon are going to win it in UFC? Ooh. I think it's probably hard for me to look past Bane at the moment. Um, I still, for mine, I'd probably say on paper, I reckon they're the strongest and most balanced in the world. Um, but yeah, because early days, so um, we'll have to wait and see who who sort of fires and who sort of misfires in the um, Champions League group stage. Yeah, I mean, it's very hard to predict at the moment, but you'd think it'd be one of perhaps Bayern, Real, and, and Chelsea, probably the three. Strongest contenders from each of their respective countries, um, but again, yeah, it all depends on how the um, the groups play out. Um, were there any closing thoughts from either of you before we sign off on the on the main podcast for tonight? Probably Lionel uh, Messi's back. He's back to full fitness, which is very dangerous to a lot of teams. Good signs for Barcelona fans, not so much for anyone else. <laughs> he was half injured last year, and it's still the second best player in the world. Absolutely. But yeah, it's just they look a lot better, and some of their youth players coming in look quite good as well. <laughs> there are yeah, they're, they're they're decent youth players all of a sudden, not yeah. looking too bad. Um, one last thing I wanted to mention is that the uh, the new initiative on Big Footy of uh, the blog on the main board, I believe, uh, and I think we've got the football uh, version of it being called Stoppage Time, I believe. NUFC, correct me if I'm wrong, and our. Uh, uh- is it stoppage time? Yeah. It? yeah. I think it's being one of, oh, that or extra time. I think one of those we're going to be, we're going to go ahead with. Um, and our, our very own Croif has, has penned the first article, which is about our favourite topic on, on this podcast, which is Man United under Louis Van Hal. So I'm sure Cookson will give it a, a squiz. And, um, I've already yeah, read it. Already read it. What are your thoughts? He got one thing wrong. Which was? Six million was the fee for, the, for Falcao. Jeez, Croft, do oh, I had to I had to Bubbling do some of his research. Re- I had to do some of his research for him. So I mean, he really needs to pick up the slack on that one. But um, no, I, reckon, I, I encourage everyone to check it out and, and you know contribute as well if you want. Everyone everyone's welcome to contribute. So it'd be great to read people's thoughts and and uh, yeah. So that's a great initiative, I think. So it'd be quite interesting to see how it plays out. Um, but apart from that, uh, stick around and below this in the thread, there's a link to our extra for tonight where we're going to be talking about some of the crazier owners in the Football League. Um, but apart from that, thanks for listening this week to that Hooligan Report, and we'll catch you next week.